Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, thank you for the settling of your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign in charge. You're still on the throne. You're over all. And so, Lord, we bow to your sovereignty right now. We bow to your sovereign will right at this moment. We bow our heads and we open our hearts to the sovereignty of your spirit, to the sovereignty of your word. That which you would tell us this morning would not be grievous, but, Lord, that we would find it, Lord, easy as it were to swallow like sweet to the taste. So Lord, some of us might find it a little bitter in the belly. But Lord, we have been singing it and now we pray it and we ask you for it. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask it all and give you the glory in the mighty and the worthy name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us therefore come. Now we have looked at this for three weeks. This is our fourth week. How much you can get out of the Word of God. And Remember I told you at the start that I want to take my time, whether it was one week, two, three, or ten. I want to take my time in this until you and I, because I need it just as much as you, until you and I realize and get the grips with what the Lord is telling us here. And you hear it, and you say, well, we've heard it, and we've heard it from another angle in part two, and we've heard it from a different angle in part three. Now we're going to hear it again in part four. And the answer is, yes, we are. And let me tell you why, because... Revision for examination will prove fruitful. And here we're having revision and we're showing you, speaking to you. We're leaving it out there for the Lord to take his own word to implant it in our hearts. That you and I this morning will know exactly what God is saying to us. But I heard it last week in the last three weeks. You may have. But maybe you haven't taken it in to the depths that God wants you to hear it. Maybe you haven't taken it in to exactly where God wants to put it. So deep in our breasts, so deep in our hearts and our minds that whenever we're at home or we're in work or wherever we are, that we will realize no matter our condition, no matter our position, that we will be able to see That we can come to the throne of grace. But we know that. Do we really? Do we? We've looked at the word come. 
and we have stretched it out. Come, says the Lord. Come is the call. Come to me. Come now. Remember, come now in all thy house into the ark, he says to Noah. Come unto me. And then we had, uh, arise my love, my fair one, and come away, Solomon says to the Shulamite. I haven't time to go through them all. Then last week we looked at Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And how from Mark chapter 1, the Lord heals the leper and says, go show yourself to the priest and offer uh, the sacrifice that Moses uh, demanded or commanded for that healing or for that, uh, that, that healing of uh, leprosy. And Isaiah 1 looks at how God is saying, as a nation, we are full of leprosy with our sin. But as people, we were full of leprosy outside of Christ. That's how God sees the man and woman who are not saved, who are not trusting in the Lord, who have not put their faith in him, as though we're full of leprosy. And leprosy is likened unto sin. And the idea is the Lord says, I love you, come to me. And we looked at Isaiah 1 at the beginning of the chapter, well, a few verses down, and how the Lord says, ah, oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. And he says, you've got sores and wounds and putrefying sores. And the sole of your head, the top of your foot, he says, we have those. And he's saying, look, how I see you, full of this disease and leprosy. And, and he looks at a sickness in our bodies and in our nation. And he looks at the state of our nation. And he looks at now another leprous sore has come into our, our, our Great Britain on gay marriage in England. And he looks at it all and he says, you're full of leprosy. You're full of leprosy. But here's the invitation, he says. Come now, let us reason together. And of course you read Leviticus 13 and 14 talks about the the leprosy being cleansed and the priest would examine it. Hence Jesus saying to the man, go show yourself to the priest. Leviticus 14 was the two pigeons, one was killed, the other was dipped in the blood of it. One represented the, 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 the sin bearer, Christ the sin bearer dying on Calvary's cross. The other was pigeon was released, representing uh, the, the sins being carried far as far away from the east as from the west, and the resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus Christ as the other, the other pigeon. You need to get the CDs of that. But the Lord is saying, and all throughout history, come now, come to me, come. Here's one for you in Isaiah 55, and verse 1. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, I'm speaking mainly this morning at a, what we call a believers meeting. Now, all our friends here are welcome, so don't get me wrong. At a believers meeting, that's just what it's called generally. And whenever I'm speaking at, at a believers meeting, I tend to think that we speak into their lives to encourage them in the faith. And Isaiah 55 and verse 1, the Lord is speaking nationally. But to everyone that would listen, as we heard this morning, listen and hear. Oh, everyone that thirsteth. So every believer should thirst after God. What was it we sang? Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. It's like the psalmist 
even wrote when he was thinking and he had written that a soul would thirst after God, after the living God. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's a thirsting. Let me rephrase that. There should be. There should be a thirsting in the heart of every redeemed saint for more of God. There should be a thirsting in the heart of every redeemed saint for more of his spirit and more of his word, more of fellowship in his house. And if that thirst isn't there, to know him more, to have more of his fellowship, to have revelation of Jesus Christ through his word and through the spirit. If there's not that thirst, I'd be honest, brothers and sisters, and I'm not condemning anyone here or thinking of anyone in particular. But if it speaks to us, then let us listen. I wonder where that person is with God. Now here's a question. It's not a condemnation. Here's a question. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for him? Are you thirsty for more of him? For more of his word? For more of his spirit? For more times of gathering together in the house of God for worship? Are you thirsty? And maybe you've said, you know what? I've dried up and I'm not even thirsty. I've passed that stage. Listen to the word of God to your heart this morning. Now God's speaking to you this morning. Listen to this. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Oh, Everyone, that's you. Everyone that's thirsteth. Notice, come ye. Come ye. You see, God wants to save the, the sinner more than the sinner wants to be saved. It's not in them to be saved. And God wants to have fellowship with every blood-washed believer more than the blood-washed believer even wants to. Yet sometimes we think God would fall out me and doesn't want me to have fellowship with him. But God wants to have fellowship with you more than you want to have fellowship with him. And God wants to save the soul that they will not go to a devil's hell more than the unsaved want to go to heaven. But rather, don't think of a devil's hell. And here... Whether your heart's cold or backslidden or calloused or even you've just fallen out of love with Jesus or you've just found yourself languishing in the busyness of the world, the things of work, things have taken your heart where you used to chase, seek, run after him. Now you find that's gone. Do you know every time you take a step in the name of Jesus and every time you come seeking his face, it really isn't off you anyway. It's all of him. But somewhere down the line, that connection, as it were, has been broken. And that drive, that passion, that desire that loveliness of communion with him 
has drifted apart. Here's the word for you this morning. Here's the word to all our hearts. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without praise. In other words, the Lord's saying it costs you nothing to come. Whether that's salvation or whether that's for you for a refilling of the Spirit. He says, come. Notice God's open arms to you this morning. Come. Come to me. Notice God's open arms. There's an open throne, the throne of grace. And, he, and, and the cry is, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Verse 3 says, incline your ear and come unto me here. Notice here, H-E-A-R, here. And your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. That everlasting covenant is the covenant of blood the new covenant. And in that covenant, when Christ died on the cross, was manifest and displayed the greatest display of love, God's love for you. So here's the, the title again, Old Covenant Sympathy. A new covenant empathy. To sympathize, remember, we do, our hearts go out to people, come along to encourage, we we try and walk beside them for periods of time to help them along. Sympathy is your heart goes out to them. Empathy is when you know not only know them, but you understand exactly how they're feeling. You totally understand them. Why? Because you've walked in their shoes. Do you know if you go to a... a if you have someone who came from an alcoholic background or a drug addiction background and they have been truly born again, saved by the grace of God and they're filled with the spirit and they're going on with God do you know the best people generally to minister to an alcoholic or someone who's recently come to Christ struggling with those things is that person who has walked in their shoes that's why people even with cancer find uh, they find a strength when they go to certain uh, wards in the hospital of people who are suffering from the same thing or because they, they, they walk in their shoes or they walk in their moccasins as the saying is. And empathy is when you walk in someone else's shoes or you walk in someone else's moccasins as we would say. In other words, you know exactly how they feel. Let me give you an example here. Just coming to me. Tomorrow my father will be buried seven weeks. And on the Monday when he was buried, or he had his funeral on the Monday, the following Monday, I had to go to the solicitors in Belfast City Centre. Alison was with me and we went down. And, you know, for there's many in here who have lost recently especially, but we've all throughout time probably. If you've ever lost someone really close to you, you'll understand what I mean. You walk through crowded streets or in a city centre like we were and to you, you wonder why the buses are still driving up and down Royal Avenue. 
You wonder why the shops are still open and you wonder why people are getting on with their life. Do they not know my father died? I was the same when my sisters went the year before. We were walking through, I'm saying this for a reason, we were walking through the city centre, started to pour. And we're starting to, we're walking through, trying to make our way to the solicitors, and we, we stood in a shop doorway, and it was heavy, heavy rain, and across the way was Dunn's doors. And right in the doorway, they were so clever, they had a stand full of umbrellas, you know, so come, you know, <laughs> keep you dry. So Alice and I run across the road, and even run across the road, you were pretty wet, you know. When I get in, Alison picks an umbrella, she goes up to pay for it, and as she's walking towards the cashier desk, this man in his, I'd say 50s, walked past me as I walked past him. White-haired man. And I heard as if he was crying in the middle of the store. I mean, sobbing. So I turn around, and I'm walking on, and I keep looking back, and I see this man walking through the, 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 the aisles of the, of the, you know, the different clothing racks, and walks right towards the main shop front window, where there's a big display, and he's leaning against as if he was half hiding round by it. I kept looking and thinking, is that man in trouble? I walked over to him and walked through the clothes, and I went over and I said, excuse me, are you okay? And he turns around and he was sobbing his heart out. I says, are you okay? He says, no. I says, can I help you? He says, nobody can help me. I says, Surely somebody, I was actually a bit concerned about his state. I said, surely someone can help you. Can I not help you? Can you tell me what's wrong? He says, my daddy's dead. I says, is he? So I talked to him and never mentioned anything for 15 minutes. And he says, how do you know? You've made me feel so much better. I said, because my daddy died. I buried him a week ago today. I says to him, how long is your daddy dead? Really? 16 years. And he hadn't got over it. 16 years. He was sobbing. I, go, I actually had to phone relatives for him. He just, mamas in pieces. You know what he said to me? Cran, he says, can I ask you something? I says, surely. He says, do you know the Lord Jesus? middle of Dunn's stores, bucket and rain outside. I said, yes, I know the Lord Jesus. He says, I knew he would answer my prayers. See, the empathy is that I was able to stand in his shoes. I was wanting the town to stop, but the Lord had another plan. <laughs> there was a wee man who's been troubled with this for 16 years. And he just happened to walk through Don's. God allowed the rain to pour that I'd run into that shop with Alison. And there was a, an empathy there with someone that helped him. He was able to phone his, his brother and, that and get him help. Brother, sister, you don't know what God is teaching you at this moment maybe. And you have no idea what God has in store for you. 
what God has planned for you. Uh, the, the help that he has coming your way when you're feeling you can't go on. The person that he's already lined up to walk across your path. The rain that will even come that you say, I can't get any worse now, I'm soaked. Even when you feel, I want the world to stop. Please everybody stop. The rain comes, you go, thank you Lord, it's all I needed. And suddenly, he strengthens you to step into someone else's shoes. Why do I say that? Because as Almighty God, we'll look at it other time as well. Go into it next week again. I want to take my time with this. I want you to get it. I want you to take it in. Because as a as God, Almighty God. See, Jesus isn't just a prophet or a, or a soothsayer or a, a, a seer. And he's not just a man with a mighty anointing. And he's not just a good man or a godly man. He is almighty God himself. And as God, he knows you, knows everything about you. Every single step you take is numbered. Hairs in your head, prayers are bottled, written in a book. Everywhere you go, he's with you as God. That's sympathy. Looking down saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. All the time he's speaking love over his children. I love you. I love you. I love you. He's moving toward you and moving in you. Just loving you. Blessing you. All the time. As God he knows you. As man. The word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. As man, the man Christ Jesus, as the Son of God, as man, he understands you. Brother, everything you go through, he understands you. You might say, you told me this last week, well, I'm telling you it again this week, and I'll tell you it again next week. He understands what it's like. To be hungry and thirsty and weary and tired and lonely and scorned and mocked and beaten. And he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what pain is like. Excruciating pain. So he understands you because of that. He understands you. Let me just finish with a couple of wee verses. Um, I think that'll do us this morning. And there's another. I want to look at the word boldly and show you a couple of different instances in it, God willing, next week. Here's what the Lord says in the new covenant. The new covenant empathy. Matthew 11 verse 28. We all, know, we all should know it. And we all will once I start to quote it. Come, Jesus said. Come unto me. All ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here's an invitation for you. Come to him. See all the things we carry. You know, even the Apostle Paul mentions the shipwrecks and the beatings and the stonings and 
all the things that happened to him by those who were non-believers and heathen. And, and then what he says at the end of it all, all those things that come upon me, listen, even the care of all the churches, the stonings and the shipwrecks and the beatings, Paul, through all that, mentions one thing, the care for the churches. What he's saying, he's saying, I care for you. That burdens me. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, I care for you. And it burdens me. It burdens you when you want to see growth. It burdens you when you're preaching week after week or talking to people one-on-one or visiting homes and you're pouring out and you're giving out and you're trying to build up and you're saying, come on, you can swim deeper. Take your feet off the ground. There's rivers to swim in. Let the current carry you. And people look at you and just can't see it or they don't want to believe it. Here's another one, Matthew 22 and verse 4. Speaking of the second coming and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the man sends out those uh, servants of his to say, there's going to be a great marriage supper. You know, invite the people to come in and they turn their servants away. And at the end of it all, they're sent out again. And cutting a long story short, you can read it when you go home. Here's what the Lord says. He says that the king, speaking of himself, who has made this supper... He says, come. All things, notice, all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. That's Matthew 22 and verse 4. Everything's done for you. Look, see when we say we're saved by grace through faith, it's exactly that and nothing else. Nothing else. It's not in denomination, it's not in works, it's not in religion, it's not in sacrifice or ceremony. And funny, I prayed it upstairs too, strangely, uh, and I'm praying it all the time anyway. I'm praying, Lord, will you burn the religion out of us? Will you burn ceremonialism out of us? Will you burn that thing that's stuck in our ways where we think church has to be a certain thing and burn it out of us, Lord? That's man's religion. That's man's doing. Burn it out, Lord. Come in and just clean us up. See, everything's already done. The the sacrifice was already made. And that's speaking of Christ on the cross. And we receive by grace through faith that which Jesus has done. And the idea is, he's saying, now will you come for the marriage is coming. In other words, Christ is returning. Are you ready? Will you be there? Mark 10 and 4. Suffer or allow the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. God does not forbid nor despise little children coming to him for salvation. Nor does he despise or forbid little children coming to the house of God. Nor does he despise or forbid little children. For the kingdom of God will be filled with little children. Here's the last one. Hebrews 4.16. Let's read it. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. He finished here because this is where we'll start next week in the Lord's will. 
I said, this is a declaration of an invitation without stipulation. In other words, the declaration is, God wants you to come this morning. Brethren, just the way you are. Sister, just the way you are. And what does he want you to come to do? To obtain mercy. Remember, mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. Oh, I've been a terrible Christian. I've been a terrible... Well, we need to strive to be better. That's okay. But God hasn't given you and I what we deserve. You know those times when he's called us to pray and we didn't go into that place of prayer? And instead of, uh, of not going into that place of prayer, we have been somewhere else or we have done somewhere else, something else. Do you know what? When God should have really said, you know what? Just stay away from my presence. You see, obtaining mercy is that God does not do that. Obtaining mercy is that we go there and find that God is welcoming not casting us out. That's why Jesus says, Him that cometh unto me, in no wise will I cast out. He won't turn you away. You see, Christ in Hebrews 10 and verse 20 has consecrated a new and a living way for us, that is to say, through his flesh. What does that mean? The high priest in the tabernacle was behind that curtain once a year. And then later in the temple when it was built in Jerusalem. And that big veil separated man from God. And only the high priest could go in there once a year. And he offered blood. So there's the sinner. There's the Ark of the Covenant. Here are the two cherubim angels that cover the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark. Here is mercy. The glory of God comes down. These cherubims shield the priest from the glory. The blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat. And that's what saves the high priest from death. The blood. Now Jesus is our mercy seat, we're told. Jesus is our Ark of the Covenant. And Jesus is the sacrifice And Jesus says the glory which comes down. And Jesus says the angel of the Lord. That is the theophany of God from the Old Testament. Not a created angel now. And Jesus is the high priest. In fact our great high priest. Which is passed into the heavens for us. So in in other words. Jesus is our Alpha and our Omega. Our beginning and the end. The first and the last. The author and the finisher. Or the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is our all and all. And our everything. And he is the one who had the veil of the temple torn from the top to the bottom when he cried on the cross it is finished and you and I are no longer separated from God but are able to enter into the holy place and as we enter into the holy place we can come boldly not irreverently boldly it means that we can come with assurance that we belong to him come boldly this morning in praise and in worship and in giving and in offering and and in need. We can obtain mercy and find grace to help. Time of need. God bless his word. We'll round it there. God willing, we'll do another week. There's so much more I want to show you. And I will.